Hello and good evening, everyone. We are so happy to be here with you tonight. So happy for you to be out there and be our company tonight. So here I am, Jerry Lee, standing in for the Manifester. And tonight, an interesting subject that you will find fascinating, the two sides of Jesus Christ. Two sides. Are we talking the right side and the left side? There are actually four sides to a human being. Front, the back, the right, the left. But we're talking two sides, and there's a very special parallel to the meaning of this teaching tonight. And we want to take it up by degrees so that you're able to follow it. There is a simplicity to it, and yet there is a deep side. There's the side of the simplicity, there's the deep side. And we could refer that to this parallel that we are speaking about tonight as to the two sides of Jesus Christ. Like, for instance, when he was speaking to the common masses of people, and he spoke to them in simplicities. He used parables to make it a picturesque type of explanation. And the disciples would often say, why do you do it like that? He said, because it's not given for them at this time to know, but to you it is given, and so I am able to tell you in a different way. There was the side of simplicity. There was the side of the paradox and the deep. And we want to get into the spiritual behavior of that, how that it actually works, what condones it, uh, what uh, triggers it, what initiates it, how does it find its place in the ascending and descending staircase of the angels? How does it find its place in the power of transformation, in the power of mental ascending and, and mental de-ascending and mental acceleration and mental de-acceleration? How does it all work tonight, our search? our query, our journey. Stay with me. Hang in there as we get into these excited times. In the book of Mark, it tells us that after the resurrection, this is the 16th chapter of the book of Mark, and beginning with the ninth verse, Jesus had arisen, and the first person that he, uh, that he appeared to was Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told all of those that she knew that she had seen him, that she had been with him. And they mourned and they wept. Eleventh verse. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. It's not a guarantee to have a witness of somebody. It's not a guarantee for people to automatically believe that even the words that Jesus promised would be true. He said, I will come after, the re after my resurrection, I will come and I will meet you in Galilee and I will appear to you and instruct you before my final ascent. It was interesting to hear that told, maybe even exciting to some of the people. But when it really came down to the point blank believing it. It was hard to conquer death. It was hard to conquer the image of death that was in their mind. To see a person on a cross, his hands, his wrists, his 
feet pierced to see a person among all of those other hundreds and thousands of persons that the Romans hung on crosses. Their outcome was always fatal. They died and that was it, as far as anyone knew, as far as anyone ever believed. And now this had happened to Jesus, killed by the Romans at the wish of the Sanhedrin. What a shame. What a suffering. And so it was not easy for them to conquer death. Conquer death in the sense of believing above it and beyond it. To believe in the resurrection, even though they were disciples. It was not easy. And so the Bible has recorded. They did not believe her. But after that, Jesus wasn't finished making appearances. In the twelfth verse, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. This time there wasn't just one person, but it was a fulfillment that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, that would make three, Mary Magdalene and these two persons that were walking on this country road. And he appeared to them, but in another form, a different form than he appeared to Mary. And from other scriptures, it would seem that when he first appeared, in one case, he looked like a gardener. And he wasn't easily recognized. So that could have been a third or a second appearance, different than the form he was used to be being known and seen in. Well, what was involved there in that? You would think that someone coming back that had lived and walked in a certain body, that they would want to come back in a body that would be totally recognized and totally understood as being the body that was crucified and now was alive and walking around again and there not being any kind of a question or any kind of a confusion. There'd be no paradoxes. But that is not the side that Jesus chose. He chose another side. He chose a side that would take a deep intuitive insight, would deep, take a deep knowing. It would take a knowing of Jesus not by how he looked in the fleshly body from before, but how that they would be able to recognize him in any form, in any body, by the Spirit. Because that was the new era that right then was being rushed in by the rushing and the quickening of the Holy Spirit. For Jesus had said, the day will come that they will neither worship in the mountains of Samaria nor in the mountains of Jerusalem, but they will come that they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. It was that day. You must now know Jesus on the other side by the Spirit. There are millions of people that refuse to know Jesus that way. They are determined to know Jesus only how he looked in a physical body, wounded, by the crucifixion, his hair parted 
in the style of the Nazarene. A beard and a way of dressing. That's how they want to see him and know him. They refuse to recognize Jesus. The method that he used instantly after the resurrection. Knowing him by the Spirit. Regardless of what form. Regardless of what color. Regardless of what shape. Regardless of how tall he was. How short he was. Regardless of the configuration of his body. Regardless of the tonation of his presentation. To recognize Jesus by the Spirit and to know when Jesus appears and when he speaks in other forms. That is so important in this teaching tonight for people to come into that understanding. Jesus often referred to things like that people did not know, did not know what belonged to their peace. They missed it. Paul describes how people ask for things from God, but they don't receive it because they ask amiss. They miss it. In another scripture, he describes how that sometimes they even entertain angels unaware that those are actual angels. It's very sad when the presence of God, even the Shekinah glory, is right there, but a person cannot feel it, cannot sense it cannot touch it with their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength, because they cannot recognize his appearance in another form. His appearance not by the physical apparatus, the physical apparatus, but by the spirit that is in that apparatus. Wow. That's how we want to start this message today. That's how we want to get it into a radiating of God's mind and bring you into that constant of God's cycles that are perpetuating in motions of Holy Ghost fire. They are the true perfect cycles of God's pure energy of love. And there is a reason and there is a purpose for everything, how that God does everything. The parallel lines are there, of course, on the one side and on the other side. And we want to cover both of those sides tonight. We want to cover them because they're important. It's very important that we do understand that. In the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, <clears throat> beginning with the 38th verse. If you have your Bibles, turn there, please. Romans eight thirty-eight. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, 
which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is it possible that a creature could separate you from the love of God? Is it possible that there is something in a person as who is a creature? Or it could be an animal, or it could be a condition that turns you off, that you find very ugly, unappealing. It turns you off. You are not a Paul. You are not in the same ship that he's in if any of those kind of things bother you. You've got to be able to recognize Jesus Christ. And sometimes the height, as described in the 39th verse of Romans chapter 30, uh, chapter 8, sometimes the height of spiritual things are so intense and so beyond the beyond They just seem to be out of the orbs of simplicity. And they seem to be about subjects and about insights and about manifest realizations such as a person has never heard or, or thought about before. And it is quite easy for some people to then not be able to reckon that that height has Jesus Christ in it. But it is so important to see the parallel lines and to see the other side of Jesus Christ. The other side of Jesus Christ that is in the height as well as in the depth. We have to be able to realize and to accept Jesus Christ in the height of revelation, in the height of a superior supermind of a spiritual consciousness that thinks far, far above the mortal. We have to become persuaded to know Jesus Christ by the Spirit in whatever height is opened to look and see and be able to say, Oh my God, I see Jesus in that incredible revelation. I see Jesus in those manifest teachings. I see Jesus in all of those things that are so beyond the beyond, but I see Him, I feel His Spirit there. And then you also have to be willing and able to go to the depth, right down to the suffering level, where people are just almost beside themselves, even as decent human beings, because they are just lost in their depraved confusions. And you have to see the love of God you have to see how the love of God is so great and so intense and so justified that the love of God can look at those people and not see them as they are, but see them as they were before the foundations of the world. Those are the other sides of Christ. But they all belong to love. <clears throat> they all belong to love. Praise be the name of God. Think on this just a little bit. <clears throat> well, let's go back 
right to the 38th part of the verse. I am persuaded that neither death. How can a person make a statement like that? How can you say I'm persuaded that death will not separate me from the things of God? I think it's a lot different than what people think. I think it's a lot different than what people think. Because death here is made to be equal with life. I am persuaded that neither death nor life. You have to have a place where you are in the Spirit. And you are recognizing that even in things that belong to death, that you can see the Christ, the Jesus Christ in it. There were people in the in the days that Christ was on the cross. Excuse me. There were days when Jesus was on the cross that people say, oh, that can't, you know, that can't be a man of God. Hey, if you're really God, if you can really do miracles, you can heal the sick and all the things you claim. Well, let's see your power. Why don't you just come right on down off that cross? They couldn't see Jesus Christ in the cross. They couldn't see there could be in the Christ a Messiah in the cross. That was death there. And they couldn't see it. And there was a little bit of that problem with the disciples. They couldn't see the resurrection in death. They couldn't see that, that death when it was mixed with the lump of Christ. That death was changed from death. And then there are people that are so worked up with life and they have so many things that they feel they have to fulfill in their life and the things that they want to do that there's a, there is a swelling that happens to them. And that swelling uh, compresses them so that they cannot recognize the real plan, the real destiny of Christ for their life. And they don't see Christ in their life. And they don't see Christ in life, period. Because they've got another plan about life. And then it says, I'm persuaded that not even angels, nor principalities, nor powers. There are people so offended when you talk about angels. And there are people who have a belief about angels being a certain kind and way and type that if you talk about it any other way, they are offended. There are people that don't want to believe about principalities and powers. They are offended when they hear that subject entwined with the Word of God. They want to put all those actions about angels and principalities into the past and make Jesus Christ something less than yesterday, today, and forever. Make Him something less than that which was, that he which was, that he which is, and he which is to come. But God is dealing with a people that he wants you to see Christ in all these things. To see Christ in death, to see Christ in life, to see Christ in the angels, and the principalities, in the powers, even whether it's good powers or evil powers, to see how that in the plan of God, those evil principalities are 
already defeated. He wants you to be able so that and persuaded that things present nor things to come that you don't even know about are going to separate you from the love of God because you can see Christ in what is present. It doesn't matter where the level of, of, of the difficulties are. You see Christ in it. It doesn't matter how bleak the future is and what the pronosticators are saying about it. You can see Christ in it. You can see Christ in the height. You can see Christ in the depth. You can see Christ in the creatures. And you know that there is nothing that will ever, ever, ever be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Wow. I hope you're climbing on this, this ship. I hope you're on board. The Father, the first creator, the progenerator of the sons. He is broadcasting M's image and preparing through the Spirit to bring people into His image. Those things are absolutely so important. So very, 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 very important. Okay. Let's, um, let's look at some other scriptures. All my scriptures tonight taken right out of the King James. Ah, uh, there's a lot of interesting things here. And I just want to share them with you. Matthew, uh, 22:41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think you of Christ? Whose son is he? And they said unto him, The son of David. They didn't have any problem jumping generations of time. That wasn't a problem. They were well able to fit this Messiah, this Christ that was to appear to come into the genealogy of David because David was a favorite person and highly exalted in their way of thinking about him. And so Jesus says then, okay, so you you say the son of David. How then does David in the Spirit, in the Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, in the Spirit, call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him. Not a word. Neither did any man from that day on ask him any more questions. You see, there were Pharisees, 
Sadducees, scribes, lawyers of the word. But they couldn't answer something like that because they had a picture in their mind about how the Christ was embedded in the genealogy of David. And when the point was made, which was a problem for them, how that if Christ were the Son, how then would David call his own son Lord? Because in the kingship realm, that would deprive David himself from being the king and would make his son the Lord, the king. Because he was being subjected to him. And they had a problem with being able to enter into that because they did not have a correct picture of who the Lord was. They could not sense the other side of who the Lord, of who the Christ was. They couldn't see this Christ in this sense. They couldn't understand that people who had once been in the Spirit and once been anointed by God were nevertheless still subject to God in Christ and were not, even though having been put in the highest uh, realm of, of um, majesty, so to speak, in government, that they were still not in any means whatsoever in the true role of who the Lord was to be. But what they could see is a different kind of Lord, and that was their problem. They could see another Lord that was like David. A Lord that was going to come back and going to fight their enemies and make war. That was the kind of Lord that they were seeing. They expected this Lord to come back and be all full of, to be full of wisdom and full of ideas and to raise up uh, the Jewish army to be the most powerful army on the face of the world. That was their picture of Christ and the Messiah. And this other Revelation that was a deeper word was on the other side of Christ. And it debunked that idea as not being the picture that Jesus Christ was presenting. Oh, there was still the thing about just sitting on the right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool, but that wasn't the way that they wanted it. They didn't want to just sit on the right hand while God did it. They wanted to be the captains, the lieutenants, and the soldiers out there fighting under the divine leadership of this divine Messiah, this divine Christ. And we have the same problem in the Christian world today. They cannot see this scripture. They cannot realize this scripture. They cannot accept this picture of Christ. They're getting into politics. They're trying to get into government. They're even encouraging armed camps. They're trying to bring back this Christ that's going to go out there with the sword of which Jesus said, Peter, put that sword away and healed the man whose ear he cut off. And Jesus said, here's all that you need to do. All you need to do is sit thou on my right hand. Now, if you sit on the left hand, you're going to be in a di on the different side of Christ. 
But if you sit on the right hand, you're going to be in a situation where all you have to do is sit there and wait for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to make your enemies become your footstool. And the, the different wording of this is not, I will take all your enemies and I will torture them and kill them and destroy them. No, I will make them your footstool. What a beautiful transition. And these things are so hard for people to see the Christ, the Christ of, of reality. They can't see the other side of Christ. They can see the side of Christ that they created, that they have an idea of what the ma of what the Messiah is to do and what the Messiah is to be about and what the picture of Christ is. And they've got that picture of Christ. The hair parted as a Nazarene. The white linen. And that's the Christ they're wanting to see, the long hair. And if Christ comes by the Spirit into another person, into another form, they can't recognize that because they don't want to recognize that. They already have a picture that is a different picture than what Christ is moving by the Spirit in. And Jesus said, this is that day. This isn't Samaria time anymore. This isn't the holy mountains of Jerusalem time anymore. This is the time that they that worship the Lord must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's what God is doing today. The teachings of the spirit-to-spirit -spirit ministry that the manifest is bringing forth to the world to bring people into manifest realization. That is the message of this era. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, we're going to turn to another scripture. Another scripture that I'm sure will be interesting. Um, turn to... Um, Romans 10, verse 6. <coughs> Romans 10, 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is, to bring the Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up the Christ from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. So, ladies and gentlemen, here we have again the two sides. The side of Christ who has ascended into heaven and the side of Christ who has descended into the deep. And we have these different people looking at it in these different uh, picturesque kinds of ways. Those that are wanting to, as to ascend into heaven in order to bring Christ down from above. <coughs> Because they don't want Christ to be recognized in the picture that he is. 
in the who that he is. They don't want, they don't want to recognize that. They, they, they don't, they don't understand that. They, they don't get the word there. They don't get the word there. So they want to bring that Christ, that ascended Christ, back down to earth to be like the Jesus that walked on the dusty roads of Galilee. They want to bring back that Jesus. They don't understand that the other side of Christ is moving from the mountains of Samaria and the mountains of Jerusalem to worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And that it's a spirit-to-spirit -spirit revelation for this age and for this time. From now on through, the time, times and a half times. There's many people out there that cannot get away from the suffering Christ. They worship the suffering Christ. The Christ is still hanging on the cross. The Christ that's still in the tomb. The Christ that is wounded and, and, and bleeding with the crown of thorns still attached and sticking in the scalp of Jesus. And they seem to need that picture. And if you present any other picture of Christ, they can't accept it. That's the picture they're used to. That's the picture that they want. And they keep wanting to bring that, that Christ up from the depths. To bring Christ again from the dead. And what did the scripture say? What did it say? Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from heaven. Yeah, say not in your heart. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ from the dead. Because people have these, these pictures of Christ. So when God begins to speak in this incredible revelation of this day and of this age, that he is speaking through the manifest re realization, people are looking not for this Christ that is in the Spirit. They are looking for this Christ that is still hanging on the cross and in the tomb. Or they are looking for this Christ that ascended, but they want to bring him back down and make him a physical person just like he once was. Wow. I hope you're hearing this message. I hope you're getting into this message because God is moving by His Spirit. And the Word says, this truth is right near you. It's right at you. It's even in your, it's even in your mouth. And it's in your heart. It's the Word that needs to be preached. And you not, you do not, you are not supposed to bring Christ down from heaven to put him in your picture. You're not supposed to bring Christ up from his suffering from the deeps to put him in your picture. The Bible says, do not do that. Do not do that. That is not the plan. That is not the plan that God is calling for. Wow. Okay. There is so much. There is so absolutely much. Let's look at um, another scripture here. In Matthew 
13, verse 52. Matthew 13, verse 52. Then said he, that being Jesus, unto them, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a person that is the householder which brings forth out of his treasure things old and things new. The other side, the two sides of Jesus Christ, things old and things new. And the Bible says, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is likened to a householder which brings forth out of his treasure things old and things new. If you're a householder in the kingdom of God, in the, knowing about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, if you've been instructed by the things of God, by the wisdoms of God, by the knowledge of God, if, if you've been given insight into the manifest realization and the things that are moving by the Spirit, then this is what you will do. This, this is a format. This is an instruction manual. It is a telling tale of what will be the response of people that do know this, that are connected to the kingdom of heaven, that are connected to the kingdom of God, that are people that are scribed into the word, updated into the word, that are husbandmen, that are householders. They are going to bring forth out of their treasures, not just the one side, there's two sides to the Lord Jesus Christ. People that are just bringing forth the one side are dividing the image of Jesus Christ. And there has to be an end to the Christian world and, and the philosophical world and the religious world of dividing God, dividing the image of God. Because if you are truly trained, as I read the Scripture, and truly instructed and following the instructions, you will be capable of bringing out of the treasures from your innermost being things that are old and things that are new, and you will recognize in those old things, those ancient things, those things before the foundation of the world, you will recognize in them the Spirit that is Jesus the Christ who came and gave himself in love. And you will bring forth the new. Because God's revelation is constant. He's always bringing forth a new day. And if you're not into that and you're just into the same thing, and you're sitting there on a pew somewhere, and you're not obeying even the Apostle Paul, who said, laying aside those, laying aside those things, those beginning things. And I'm paraphrasing it. He said, 
must go on to perfection. Not just constantly repeating the same doctrines and ideas that you already know. He said, we'll do those things. We're not getting rid of them. But even the resurrection, even the laying on of hands, even all of these incredible things that are so important. There's a place and a time that you've got to move on into new things. And if you're not doing that, then you're just laying again the same foundations over and over and over. And if there's someone out there and they're just continuously preaching third grade level uh, uh, religious doctrine, they are only a part into God. And it gets very, very close to that thing called lukewarm, for which the Bible says, I'd rather you be hot or I would rather you be cold. But if you're lukewarm, you'll be spewed out of the mouth. Those things are so absolutely important. So very, very absolutely important. The two sides of Jesus Christ. The lion side and the lamb side. The prince of peace side and the white horse warrior side. Wow. Turn with me now to um, to the book of... Um, of Genesis, and um, let's look. Uh, let's look over in um, Genesis um, nine. Genesis nine eight through ten. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, and I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. And someone say, Yeah, I know it was a great guy. He was a great and powerful man. And that's just like we're his, we're like seed, spiritual seed. Just like that. Yeah, well, let me show you the rest of what goes along with that story, just so you don't get too superheated in the mind. The rest that goes along with that story follows that. Let's read that again. And God spake to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your seed after you, and, conjunction, and, with every living creature that is with you of the fowl of the earth, of the cattle, of every beast of the earth. From all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's look at verse 12. And God said, This is the token of my covenant, which I will make between me and you and every living creature, with you for a perpetual generation. Perpetual generations. There is a side of Christ that includes in these covenants, in the physical level, for the physical life, 
even the animals, they're, they're included in the covenant that it mentions here. I'm not talking about a covenant of salvation, but I'm talking about the other side of Christ. The side of Christ that is by the Holy Spirit in every soundtron, in every atom, in every molecule that lives and breathes in the pulsations and the vibrations of all that is, of which the Scripture says that in Him you live and move and have your being. There is that physical side, but it is it is not an eternal side in the sense of spiritual eternal. And that other side, which is spiritual and eternal, is why Jesus appeared in other forms, because he was interested in people recognizing him by the Spirit and not by the flesh, because the Spirit is the eternal spiritual form. <clears throat> and it's so powerful when you recognize that. And when you recognize why the Bible says the spirit of man goeth upward, the spirit of the beast goeth downward. And that's talking about when man ascends to a conscious level of salvation, he then departs from that other side of Christ that deals in the physiological, that deals in the physical realm, and moves into the spirit realm of ascending. You must not ever then try to bring that Christ that has ascended into heaven back down to be on earth in the physical realm again that is attached and belongs to also the physical realm of even the animals who are included in that kind of covenant. But you must move on to the part in you that represents the spirit in you. All right. We're getting there. Let's look at some other things that I found to be very interesting. Um, Genesis 6. Genesis 6, verse 19. And of every, every living thing, this is about Noah and the ark, and of every living thing, all flesh, Two of every sort shall you bring into the into the ark, and keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Now that's very interesting how that word is read, and if the seventh chapter of this book of Genesis was lost, we would think that this revelation was limited to just Noah bringing one pair of unclean animals, of, of one, one, one pair of each kind of unclean animals into the ark. And then you would wonder, uh, well, you would wonder whether these were all the unclean or, or clean or what, if that was the limit that that included the clean and unclean. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then when, when, if they would make a sacrifice of any of the, of those animals, 
what would that do? That would uh, leave a pair uh, destroyed. But interesting, in the fourth verse of the seventh chapter, it says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Now, we know there's going to be a destruction of everything that's left outside that is left on the earth. We're not talking about those that may have been carried away from the earth. But in the second verse of the seventh chapter, it says, Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens the male and his female. So then it says on, And of, and of the beasts that are not clean by two. So now by this seventh chapter being in the book, we know that when it said of every living thing of flesh, uh, you will take two of every sort, that that was not limited. That was not limited to there just being, um, you know, um, two of, of each sort, a male and a female of, of each kind of animal. But there's also the seven pairs of each of those. Of the, that are the clean animals. And so it's very important to see the other side. The other side in nature. The other side in the plan of God. There's the one side which is the unclean. There's the other side which are the clean. They're both creatures, but they're in two different classifications. And yet they are both included in their own way. The ones that are the uncleans are not considered worthy to be eaten by the the people of God. They, they're not to eat them. But they're able to eat the clean. It would seem like you're getting a penalty for being clean. You get eaten. But actually, there's a certain blessing upon those certain kinds of animals when they do provide food for God's people. So those things are all important. And then I read you this scripture in the fourth verse that all living substance of the earth was to be destroyed. Well, we seem to find in another place um, that it sort of describes that substance as being, you know, um, whatever animals that don't get brought into the ship, whatever people that don't get brought into the ship, that are going to be remain alive on earth. But then there is another scripture that very powerfully says it a different way. You know, and it, it is, it is um, something I want to read to you. And I think it's, it's um, important to, to, to get that down. Uh, and let's look at Genesis 6, 17. Genesis 6, 17. And here's what it says. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under the heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. Now, there was a side. 
that seem to bring total death. And when people read and say, hey, that's what the Bible says, that has to be the way that it is. Everything died. There's nothing left alive that was in the earth. That means all the plants. That means all the shrubbery. All the vegetation. There was nothing left alive. But the fact of the matter is, we know by proof that when the dove went out, he came back after the 40 days of the flood with an olive branch in his mouth that was obviously alive. And so, the earth, everything in the earth did not die. There's another meaning in here. And the other, the two sides of Christ enfold both those meanings. And people can go into those scriptures and they can take out of it what they want. And they can say, you know, everything died. There was nothing, absolutely nothing that could have been left alive. But the fact of the matter is, it's not true. And there's scripture in here to show that that's not true. Well, what did it mean? Well, it has a, it had a deep meaning. So when it seems to say that that there was only eight people that survived the flood, but that's the eight people that were on the ark, and that's the eight people that were to be stay on, stay on earth. It doesn't mention the vision of Jesus Christ that he saw that like as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be that way again in the days of, of the coming of the Son of God with his angels. He's going to, he's going to meet these people, uh, take them up in the sky uh, on these angel craft and going to save them from being on earth and going through the things that were coming. Because that's another side. There's, 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 there's the, the, the deep side that, that is, goes to death. And then there is the, the side that ascends, that goes up toward the heavens to life. And when you get into the vision of the revelation of the manifestations of the pictures of life, all of a sudden other things open up, like how that the sons of our, uh, sons of, um, of Enoch, went to the Father's house, and they took their offspring with them before the flood. This other side of, of God is so important for us to look into and to see. If we don't look into it the right way, if we don't look into it by the Spirit, and we try to see it through the, through, through the conundrums of the flesh, that's exactly what it will be then, is a conundrum. And it will be confusing. People say, I, I, just don't, I just don't believe that could be the Christ that resurrected. It doesn't look like him. He looks different. I just don't believe it. But how do you see? Do you see by the Spirit or do you see by the flesh? You want to really know the plan of God, you've got to be able to see by the Spirit. Because these are the days of Spirit to Spirit. And those, those are, are such important things. Absolutely important things. Praise be the name of God. Okay. Now, turn with me, please, to Isaiah 53.1. Isaiah 53.1. That's a lot of scripture we're covering. Yeah, I know that. But it's important. The Bible is such a beautiful book. Such a gorgeous book. Isaiah 53, 1. Are you ready? 
Here we go. Who has believed our report? I think of that sometimes when I am doing blogs, when I am ministering and I get into some of these very deep and profound things. Sometimes I have thought and wondered who believes our report. But I also wonder the next part of that. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who are the ones out there listening? Who are the ones out there reading? That it, when they read it, when they hear it, the arm of the Lord is being revealed to them. Because for sure, there are those out there that are hearing and receiving. That are reading and receiving. And then it goes on, and it says, For he, meaning Jesus Christ, meaning the Lord, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. <clears throat> now this particular chapter is the chapter I want to use to really crystallize this uh, titled message of the two sides of Jesus Christ. And we will see how that contained within this chapter and all the way through it, there is a duality. We just read one of them. For he shall grow up before him. Now who is he and who is him? Well, if you look at it very carefully, he, Jesus, shall grow up before himself. <laughs> as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness that when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You cannot always expect the appearance of Jesus Christ to be some absolutely beautiful unfolding thing that is so simplistic and so appealing <clears throat> of his longitude and latitudes and parallels that you have no questions that remain. You have to understand that it is Bible. That there are times that there is no form that has comeliness that is being used. That there are times that you will not see a beauty because you're used to a certain kind of beauty and you're used to a certain kind of form. <clears throat> you will not desire him from seeing him from the handsome look, from the beautiful look. You must know Jesus Christ by the Spirit. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. <clears throat> he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Even though this paradox of someone who was suffering of someone who was 
being tortured. People could not see Christ in that. They could not see Christ in that. Even today, I know it's hard for some people. Some people say, did Christ really have to go through that? Well, I could say, no, he, he really didn't have to go through that if the people would have repented, if the people would have been different. But for them to be saved in the, in the situation that was prevalent, then he chose to go through that. And he became this suffering Christ uh, that could not hardly even be recognized in the lovable Christ that he was because of the grief upon his face and his heart. And he was bearing those griefs and carrying those sorrows for the people. But instead of seeing the Christ in death, seeing the Christ in sorrows, seeing Christ in grief, they saw him as a stricken and smitten of God person. But the fact of the matter was, he was wounded for our trans transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. That is so beautiful. Isaiah, I applaud you being used of God to write such a piece. And we all like sheep have gone astray. The whole world has misgaged, misjudged, and not recognized Christ by the Spirit. Have not recognized the two sides of Jesus Christ. Wow. Yet, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. They killed the physical Jesus Christ with crucifixion. To all of their understanding, to all their belief. And he was to be no more. <clears throat> wow. He cut off from the land of the living. But it was done not because of his problems, his sins, but because of the transgression of the people that he was a stricken. But how many people were able to recognize that? Oh, sure, people now later, many generations later, get the message. <clears throat> but still they're far from truth in getting the whole message. Made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Wow. Excuse me a moment. <coughs> okay, here we go. This is so important. Hang and hold here, folks. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet, now here's where we're getting this duality. Yet it pleased the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital E, D, which is Yahweh L, or Yahweh, 
it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now here we have Yahweh Jesus bruising him who is Jesus, bruising himself. And it pleased him to bruise himself. <laughs> wow. He hath put him, himself, the Lord, to grief, to, to grieve. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Now, what we have to begin now to understand in this duality, here we have soul, small s. Soul here representing the physical body. And then we have Yahweh representing the spirit, because man is both spirit and, and body. So now we have the spirit of Christ accepting and being pleased to offer his soul, his body, to offer himself his body. But so many people have not been able to see beyond the Christ body being the only Christ that there was. When in fact, when you read the scripture here, which is one of the most beautiful Psalms type of scriptures in Isaiah, that is all through this chapter 53. Yet it pleased the Lord, the Lord's spirit, to bruise the Lord's body. That's what it's saying. Wow. He shall put the Lord's body to grief. When thou shalt make his body an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Oh, there's a whole message there. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now, Jesus is going to pro is going to prolong his days. He's going to to see his seed in the revelation that Jesus was trying to make evident on that day after the resurrection of being able to recognize and being able to see Christ by the Holy Spirit wherever he was, whoever he was in, and recognizing Christ in us, the hope of glory. And recognizing this Christ in God's people and in the messages and the different levels of God's uh, uh, word is absolutely urgent for being able to, to understand the two sides of Jesus Christ. Wow. And it was the pleasure, it says, of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He, the Lord, shall see the travail of his body, his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. Wow. That is the powerful main part that we want to share with you that is so very, very, very important. 
Now, <clears throat> what I want you to understand is one time there was a king by the name of Hezekiah, an offspring of David, who was dying. And he went to a prophet for help, and the prophet told his servant, go and tell him to get a lump of figs and put that lump of figs on his sore and you will be healed. And so they took a lump of figs and put it on him and he was healed. He was, he was dying. He was healed though. Turn with me to Romans 11.16. In Romans 11.16 it says, For if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy. We have to understand this connection. It is so absolutely important of these two sides of Jesus Christ. The first fruit is holy because the lump is holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. This is a parallel example of the same thing. A double case. The root is holy, the branches are automatically holy. The first fruit, the first fruit is holy because the lump is holy. Vice versa. So, getting into the revelation of this thing about the lump and the holiness of the lump. The fig ministry. Fig, F-I-G, faith in God ministry. It is so important to understand that there is a, a treasure within there is a revelation of mysteries that haven't even begun to be touched by almost all, by almost the majority of people. There is a lump. And this lump belongs to the who you were before the foundations of the world. And God is not interested in that lump being leavened with leaven. Doesn't need it puffed up. It doesn't need to make more out of the physical apparatus. But what that lump is connected to is with the first fruits. And with he who is the root and the offspring. The root and the branches. There's a ministry of being a root. There's a ministry of being branches. There's a ministry of being a lump. There's a ministry of being the first fruits. They both are two sides of Jesus Christ. Now, we can look at some other scriptures. Like, for instance, let's, we're in Romans. Let's turn to Romans 
Romans 9.21 Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another vessel unto dishonor? The lump is like a lump of clay. You can make that vision that will keep you from perishing into two different pictures. You can make it into the vessel of dishonor, the unclean animals. They're still part of the covenant. Not the covenant of salvation, but they're part of the covenant. They're recognized. You can make that picture into a lump of dishonor. Or you can make that lump into a picture of a vessel of honor. And God is calling people out to understand the power and the reality of this spirit-to-spirit revelation. Now it is spirit to the spirit of God, spirit of God to the spirit of the person. And it's also spirit-to-spirit of individuals-to-individuals. And it is the spirit-to-spirit ministry that God is dealing with to bring people into all truth and to understand that in those days, they that worship the Lord God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Forget Samaria Mountain. Forget Jerusalem Mountains. Get out of that because get in the persuasion of Paul that you are persuaded that neither life nor death are going to be the power. Excuse me again. <laughs> Praise God. It's exciting. It's exciting, this whole word, this whole deep insight. This lump. What is in that lump? Well, there's a power of creation in it. And you can you can make the decision. I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna make a, a vessel of dishonor. That's what I've decided to make. And we've got thousands and millions of Christians today that have chosen to make vessels of dishonor. They're the potter. They don't even understand that they're the potter. And they're making vessels of dishonor. They're, they're, they're getting into all of this diminutive and, and downtrodden viewpoint of every negative thing that is being spewed out of the mouth of the mediators and, 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 and the media. And they're listening to it. And they're believing it, and they're they're just at work making more and more of these vessels of dishonor, which are the unclean beasts. Now there's there's hope for those unclean beasts that end up getting on the ark, but there are they are under severe limitations. There's another plan, a plan in the sevenfold, a plan that is paired in in a totally different magnitude. It's the other side of Christ. It's the type of beasts that are edible. It's the type of things that belong to the lump that belongs to the root, that belongs to the first fruit, that belongs to the, the branches. And God is moving by His Spirit all over the earth. And that rushing mighty wind of the Holy Spirit is seeking to be loosed on this earth and to be given the recognition that belongs to it. It is an exciting time. 
And this word is spreading, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> One of my daughters recently said that she looked up on the internet the word Yahweh-El. Now, Yahweh-El is a spelling and a uh, transliteration uh, by uh, the manifest of the the four letters, the four letters of, of the name of God. And some have, uh, scholars have made it, uh, they did have it at one time, uh, you know, um, different, well, they've had different ideas on it over the years. But for a long time it was uh, Jehovah. And that was a name that was really known and and uh, broadcasted and believed in. And then uh, the majority began to switch over to the name um, to the name Yahweh. Now I know that there is a story that basically teaches that J's were introduced later through the Germans. And so these words like Jehovah and even Jesus that have J's weren't even real uh, words at the time that they were being originally used. But I don't get into that type of thing. I accept, I love the name Jesus. I accept that name. But we also use the name Yahweh-El. And this daughter was saying she got on the internet and after she researched it, you have to go through the research properly. But there ends up being 20 pages on the internet, on Google, on the Google internet research. 20 pages full of different um, descriptive things using the term or directly from the term Yahweh-El. And it's in all kinds of foreign languages. So ladies and gentlemen, that word came from the manifest teachings that we are doing. Because it was part of the Revelation. And that word is starting to spread now. Spreading all over the world. And I want you to grab on to this pearl of great price. I want you to grab on to this diamond that studs the walls of the Holy Jerusalem Revelation. Those pearls at the gate. Those openings into the cathedral. I want you to understand that God is moving by a spirit, speaking spirit to spirit. And these two sides of Christ, God is saying, okay, make a choice. Pull out of your, your deep innermost being. There's the old and there's the new. There's the vessels of honor and there's the vessels of dishonor. What do you want to do? God is speaking to God's people. What do you want to do? Such an important link it is for people to come into this understanding, for people to make this connection. And this connection is for right now, and it's for you. And this word is, is, is getting ready to, it's getting ready to grow in a really big way. And we are, we are very close to 
being ready to start getting out some fantastic things like the Peace Bible. But we are waiting on the Lord to help us to have the finances to make us make it a capable thing to do. And we're not worried or not trusting or not having a problem in any way. We're just waiting on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. We're not looking at the negative. We're not looking at the, the unbelievable. We are looking in faith that this word is going to sail. It's going to fly. And that the day will come that God will open up the doors and make everything possible. Blessed be the name of God. We are so appreciative and so thankful for all God's people that have bonded with us. All of God's people who are linked in their hearts and their minds with us to getting out this word and to getting this message to the world. Praise be the name of God. The two sides of Christ, yes, you have to decide. There was a lady, there was a couple sons. Even their name gave away a secret. They were called the Sons of Thunder. And the mother knew what that was all about and knew the connection. And she wanted her sons to ask Jesus and to make it clear that they had chosen a certain side. They had chosen to be on the right hand side of God in the throne ship, the right hand side of Jesus Christ. Yes, there's two sides. Choose the side doesn't mean that you'll get elected to be on there in the instant that you ask. But it is a seed of a grain of the mustard seed. And one day you will look. And that little seed that you plant, one of the smallest of seeds, will have grown into a huge herb plant in which birds are lodging. Because you chose the side of Jesus Christ where God is moving by His Spirit in all the earth. God bless you so much. And now we're going to get into the Gentile. And we want to, to tonight to work on... Um, on people, people's hearts, people who have uh, heart problems, we want to to deal in those areas. Um, we want to uh, use Gentile to to move plaque out of the veins of some of these um, hearts that are having lots of problems, so that God's people can be healed, and so that people who are suffering can be delivered. So if you'll bind with me here tonight as we get into this Gentile, and we're especially dealing tonight on the great vessels of the heart, the superior vena cava and the pulmonary artery, both the left and the right, pulmonary veins and the ascenda aorta, Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to hypothalamus to thyroid. Begin to send messages into the body using all of the means of the messenger system, the, 
the hormones, also the pituitary, the hypothalamus, also the lymphatic gland and the thyroid, and other messengers of the body that are involved in messaging, begin to send messages through the body into the hearts of the listeners who are having problems with their hearts and need deliverance. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid. Messengers begin to send mes messages to clean and clear the, the vessels, the great vessels of the heart. Those that have been mentioned like the superior Inakava, both the superior and the inferior, and the uh, other kinds of of important vessels, the pulmonary artery, both the left and the right, and the ascending aorta, the coronary arteries, the arch of the aorta, the um, the erratic aorta, and the abdominal the uh, abdominal aorta that these blood vessels will begin to be cleansed and cleaned and the plaque begin to dissolve as these signals begin to go into these arteries and begin to clean out this plaque and begin to mend and heal uh, within these uh, great vessels of the heart so that the heart can be returned to healthiness. If there's any inhibitors or blockers or messages against these messages, they are now canceled and obliterated. To each one who has heard this message, so it is, and so shall it be. Blessed be the name of the living God, the Almighty God, who was riveted on his side, and out of it came blood and water, the duality. So that out of this message tonight is coming the love of Jesus Christ. For Jesus so loves you. And he so desires for you to be free. He so wants you to be healed and made every withhold. Oh, how he reaches to you tonight. How he touches you tonight how his love is unceasing blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be the name of the Lord God bless you Satan tried to tell me the Bible was a lie, that Jesus didn't love me, and I was doomed to die, but I stayed on my knees.
Oh, I stayed on my knees And Jesus took my burdens all away Hello, kitties. This is Alice Cooper, and you're watching You Broadcast. And you better watch, because I know where you live.